The reading is on John chapter 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the ship pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the ship. The gatekeeper opened the gate for him, and the ship listened to his voice. He calls his own ship by name and lead them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his ship follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used these figures of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus says again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be safe. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lay down his life for the sheep. The higher hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flocks and scatters it. The man runs away because he is higher hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there should be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Some of you may remember the TV program Candid Camera, when people were put into strange situations and their reactions secretly recorded by hidden cameras. One incident occurred at an exclusive American college where all the students were well above average. The candid camera people posed as career consultants to advise these brilliant young men concerning the careers that would be best suited to them on the basis of tests and interviews that seemed to the students quite authentic. One young man eagerly awaited the counselor's verdict. Surely the advisor would tell him to be a college president, or a bank manager, or perhaps a research scientist. But no, the counselor had other ideas. And you should have seen the look on his face when the counselor said, after evaluating your tests and interview, I've decided that the best job for you is a shepherd. Well, the student didn't know whether to laugh or cry. Who in his right mind would want to be a shepherd? Why devote your life to stupid sheep who don't seem to have enough sense even to find their way home? 
And yet we read in our text this morning that Jesus described himself as the good shepherd. As we learned last week, shepherds and their sheep were a familiar sight in first century Israel. And it was a picture that was used in the Old Testament to describe the relationship between God and his people. Let me read to you from Ezekiel chapter 34 and verses 11 and 12. Ezekiel 34. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. Therefore, Jesus' claim in John 10 that I am the good shepherd is another clear statement of his deity. So what did Jesus mean when he said, I am the good shepherd? Now, we know by comparing ourselves with him that he is good in a way that none of us are, however hard we, we may try. But the word not only means good in the sense of being morally good, but it also means beautiful, winsome, lovely, attractive. And the word also means genuine or true, as opposed to false or artificial. Therefore, we are to recognize Jesus as the absolutely, perfectly good, beautiful, lovely, utterly true and authentic shepherd. One who is pleasing to the Father in every way and therefore worthy of our praise and honour. And the good shepherd's flock consists of those who trust him and follow him as their saviour and lord. And what I've done is, from our passage uh, in John 10, verses 11 to 16, is to pick out four truths about the good shepherd's relationship to his sheep. Firstly, the good shepherd owns his sheep. The good shepherd owns his sheep. Verse 11 of John 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, the good shepherd owns his sheep because he died for them. And we read these words in Romans chapter 5 and verses 7 and 8. Romans chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Would we sacrifice our life in order to save someone else's? We might be willing to give our life for someone who is particularly precious to us, such as a, child, a son or a daughter or a grandchild or our spouse or our best friend. 
But would we die for someone considered an enemy? Die for a person who themselves deserved death for the awful things they've done? It's unlikely. But that's what Jesus did. He laid down his own life so that rebellious sinners such as you and I might have our sins washed away and receive the free gift of eternal life through faith in him. His death was firstly voluntary. Back in our text again, John 10 verses 17 and 18. Jesus said, the, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. His death was voluntary. We should never think that his death was an accident or, or a terrible tragedy, but it was something that was planned before the beginning of the world. And he remained fully in control of events throughout. And it was something that he chose to do. Dr. Harry Ironside writes, he had in his own power the ability to die or to live on for endless years but he died out of love for our guilty souls and out of love for the Father because he came to do the Father's will. His death was voluntary. His death was also vicarious. In other words, that Jesus died not for his own sin, for he had none, but he died for ours. And he died in our place. You see, the sentence in verse 11, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, could be translated, the good shepherd lays down his life on behalf of the sheep. You see, he died in our place as our substitute so that we might be saved, verse 9, rescued from sin's awful eternal consequences. And in shedding his own blood, he paid in full our sin's penalty. He has bought our freedom from sin's eternal punishment, and we now belong to him. As one of his children, one of his flock, through faith. As the Apostle Paul wrote at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And in response to all that Christ has accomplished for us, we are then called to live in loving obedience to him. Charles Thomas Studd played cricket for England in the famous 1882 test match with Australia where the burnt bales inside the ashes urns are supposed to come from. But he chose to walk away from all that sporting fame, going instead as a missionary to China and later to Africa. He came from a wealthy family, 
but gave his considerable inheritance away to various Christian causes. And he wrote this, If Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. The good shepherd owns his sheep because he died for them. Secondly, the good shepherd cares for his sheep. The good shepherd cares for his sheep. Now, in verses 12 to 13 of our text, there's a contrast between the shepherd who owns the sheep and a hired hand. The hired hand is employed to care for the sheep. But because he's doing the job only to be paid, he doesn't have the same self-sacrificing care for the sheep as the shepherd who owns them. And when a wolf attacks the flock, we read in verse 13, the man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Perhaps the hired hand represents some fair-weather church leaders who are happy to care for his flock in the good times when things are going well. Sheep are being saved The flock is expanding and there's plenty of resources available to pay him. But when difficult times come, opposition, persecution, hardship and so on, they leave their flock just when they're needed. But by complete contrast, the good shepherd gave his own life for his flock. And he'll never leave us, but he'll care for us whatever happens. He's our friend and our brother who cares deeply for us in a way that no one else ever will. And he demonstrates that care for his sheep practically in numerous ways, as revealed, for instance, in Psalm 23. So let's just turn to Psalm 23 for a few minutes and I'll run through uh, some ways in which Our good shepherd cares for us. And the writer David begins with this tremendous statement. The Lord is my shepherd. Note how personal it is. The Lord is my shepherd. And a shepherd is is there to provide for, to protect, to care for, and to lead his sheep. And just as David, a shepherd himself before he became king of Israel, knew he must do these things for his sheep, so he acknowledges that the Lord does these things for him as his shepherd. And in his care for his sheep, the good shepherd brings, firstly, contentment. I shall not be in want at the end of verse 1. Or or in the the Living Bible, it says, I have everything I need. I lack nothing. True inner contentment cannot be found in material things, but only God can bring lasting contentment to our heart through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. And if you trust and follow the Good Shepherd, you will find a contentment in life that nothing else can bring. He brings contentment 
Secondly, in his care for his sheep, the good shepherd brings peace. Verses 2 into 3a. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Hungry, agitated, upset sheep are constantly on the mood, on the move. Only a satisfied, secure flock will lie down and rest. And for us too, when we worry and fret, it disturbs our rest and sleep, and we have no peace. But the Good Shepherd brings true inner peace, whatever our outward circumstances. So let's learn to take our concerns, our worries, to Jesus Christ, our Good Shepherd, and allow him to deal with them. As it says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Third way that uh, the Lord demonstrates his care is in his direction of our lives. Verse 3b, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Sheep are notorious wanderers. As David roamed the hills looking for fresh pasture, he had to lead and guide his sheep or they would get lost. And how we need, both as individuals and as a nation, right direction in our lives by allowing the Good Shepherd to lead us in his paths of righteousness by his word. As it says in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 6 in the New King James, In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. He brings direction to our lives. Fourthly, he enables us to overcome fear. First part of verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You see, our good shepherd promises that even in the most difficult circumstances, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. And the testimony of countless Christians is that in their times of greatest need, the Lord Jesus and his word is their source of strength. Now, he doesn't necessarily remove the trials we face, but he will care for us all the way through. And what many fear most is death itself. But Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and bodily resurrection, has conquered death. And all who place their faith in him have everlasting life. The moment our lives here are finished, the believer goes home to be with their saviour, and shepherd forever in heaven. What a glorious future we have. Fifthly, the good shepherd in his care brings comfort. Last part of verse 4. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now the rod and the staff were carried by the shepherd for protection, care, and sometimes for gentle correction. And our rod and staff is God's word, which brings us comfort, help, and guidance. 
but will also gently rebuke and correct us when necessary. Sixthly, the the Lord in his care brings abundant provision. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And, And the table of good things and the overflowing cup are pictures of prosperity and blessing. Those who place their confidence in the good shepherd and are faithful to him are blessed. Not necessarily in material things, but in spiritual blessings, such as those listed in this psalm. Inner contentment, peace, satisfaction, restoration, direction, overcoming fear, comfort, security, and so on. Back in our text in John 10 and verse 10, we read this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And that phrase to the full means in abundance. There's no half-hearted measures when you follow Christ. He brings an abundant life when we trust him and follow him. And then seventhly and finally, God's care for his flock is demonstrated in eternal security. Verse 6 of Psalm 23. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, whatever happens, the Bible promises that the believer's salvation is 100% secure. Back in John 10 and verse 28, we read this. Verse 27 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Now, what a wonderful promise that is to hold on to when we face serious doubts, opposition, and distress. Jesus is now in heaven preparing a place for all who know and love him as their personal Lord and Savior. And you know, he's coming back one day, and then he's going to take his flock home to heaven with him. Now, we don't know when that will be, but it could be any day. It could be soon. The good shepherd owns his sheep. The good shepherd cares for his sheep. Thirdly, in verses 14 and 15 of John 10, the good shepherd knows his sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, in Scripture, to know means much more than merely identifying a person by name or by sight. In Bible language, to know involves intimacy. A deep understanding of the person involved. It means to be chosen, to be loved. 
And in the Hebrew Old Testament, the word know is used to describe the intimate love between husband and wife. Albert Einstein's wife was asked if she understood Dr. Einstein's mathematical theories. And she replied, no, but I understand Dr. Einstein. She knew nothing about his work, but she knew him as uh, her husband. And Eastern shepherds not only know the names of each sheep, but the nature of each sheep. Those prone to wander, those that are stubborn, those that are more vulnerable to disease. And because the shepherd possesses this knowledge, he is better able to care for his flock. And from this verse, we see that the good shepherd also knows every single one of his sheep intimately. In fact, there's nothing that he doesn't know about us. And we learn from verse 15 that he knows us and loves us just as God the Father knows and loves God the Son. And just to, to get a flavor for how well he does know us, I'm going to read the few, first few verses of Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Again, David writes, O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Now, it might worry us that the Lord knows our weaknesses and failings just as well as our thoughts, our strengths and accomplishments. But the astounding truth is that despite knowing everything about us and how far we fall short of his perfection, he still unfailingly loves and cares for us. But we should note also that this level of knowing from verse 14, should extend both ways. For we see there that as the good shepherd knows his sheep, so the sheep should also know their shepherd. The Apostle Paul's great desire in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10 was to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. And now listen to the earnest prayer that he had for the believers at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17. Ephesians 1 verse 17. Paul writes, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Now, to enjoy a deeper, more personal knowledge of God isn't simply a case of reading more of the Bible and other good books so that you know more about him. But before we open our Bibles, 
We need to ask the Lord to ignite within us, through our study, a greater understanding in our relationship and a greater love for our glorious Savior. And the Holy Spirit, who lives within every Christian, takes delight in his special work of revealing greater depths of knowledge and truth concerning our Lord so that we would really know him in an ever more real and intimate way, walking with him ever closer day by day. The good shepherd knows his sheep. And then finally, in verse 16, the good shepherd gathers his sheep. John 10, verse 16. <clears throat> I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Now we discover in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 6 that Jesus began his ministry by going to the lost sheep of Israel. And the sheep pen here in chapter 10 represents the Jewish people. But there's another sheep pen, which consists of Gentiles, of non-Jews. And Jesus planned to gather together sheep from both pens and make them into one flock under one shepherd, which, of course, is himself. And this one flock is the church, consisting of both Jews and Gentiles who trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Paul explains it this way in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 14 to 16. Ephesians 2 verse 14. For Jesus himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility." The good shepherd owns his sheep because he shed his blood to pay the penalty that our sins deserve. Therefore, the good shepherd doesn't abandon his sheep, but continually cares for them in numerous ways. And the good shepherd knows his sheep down to the smallest detail, and yet he still loves us despite our failings. And then we see finally that the good shepherd is gathering his sheep from different pens into one flock. And the question this morning is this, do you belong to this one flock under the one shepherd through believing that he died on the cross, was buried and rose again for you? 
How desperately sheep need a shepherd. As it says in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus truly is our good shepherd. He gave his life for us. He loves us and cares for us. He knows us. And he continues to gather together his sheep into one flock. May we grow to love him and obey him more and more as we live our lives for him.